At the beginning of the month, China stepped into its role as a president of the UN Security Council. The role rotates through the member states monthly with the challenge of promoting a ceasefire in Gaza and preventing further human catastrophe. Now, with the death toll now topping more than 13,000 Palestinians and at least uh, 1,200 people killed in Israel since October 7, it is a mighty challenge indeed. So what role does China think it can play in brokering any kind of a peace deal? To discuss that, uh, well, that vexed question, I'm joined by two guests. Firstly, we have Aina Tangan, a senior fellow of the Tyra Institute in Beijing and a regular political and economic commentator for The Beeb and El Jazeera. And we also have Julian Barnes-Dacey, Program Director for the Middle East and North Africa at the European Council on Foreign Relations. And uh, Julian has spent time in Syria and Egypt and talks to us from Paris. Aina, let's start with you. What have China's efforts to restore peace been thus far? Well, a couple of points. First off, when we you think about China, you have to think a little bit differently. They're not the United States. Uh, we've gotten accustomed uh, to the U.S. Uh, type of involvement, which is you know get the set the agenda, to control or push people towards a majority and get people to go along. We saw that with Camp David. It was a, a mighty effort by uh, Carter to get that done. Um, but, you know, there's a certain amount of labeling that goes on. You're good, uh, you know, this is good, this is bad. Uh, China takes a slightly different uh, perspective. They, they really do believe that the only way you can have a lasting peace is through consensus. And that means all the parties have to agree, which means that if you start labeling people as, you know, you're bad, things, they can certainly have talked about the deaths of the civilians as bad, right? That, that is, there's no question about it. But, you know, what Hamas has done uh, in, in killing innocent people is horrible. And what uh, Israel is doing in terms of indiscriminate bombing that has killed, you know, 5,500 children, that is horrible as well. And that has to be denounced. It's not standing with one or the other. It is really standing uh, with humanity. But if you're going to get people to a bargaining table, they really need to, you need to treat them and say, look, you, you have to come to this and we're not going to condemn you. We need you to come to some sort of agreement to stop this cycle of bloodshed and tragedy. Now, Beijing is presenting itself, I know, as even-handed in the conflict, but it didn't actually condemn the Hamas attack on October the 7th. Why did it stop short of that? Because if you condemn Hamas, you can't get them to the table. They become the other, the evil. Uh, they certainly did condemn the, the deaths of innocent civilians, just as they are condemning the deaths of uh, a, you know people in, in Gaza right now. So what you have is a situation there. They're looking at this long term. How do you stop this? This is not. This is one incident in a historical series of incidents which seem to have no end. So, you know, when do you get to that Westphalian moment when people get tired of shedding each other's blood? And how do you 
speed that up uh, by saying you're bad, you're bad, condemning everybody. Well, how how do you get them to the table? Point taken. Julian, uh, your turn now. And China has historic links to the PLO, of course, but what kind of relationship has it had with Hamas leaders? Good evening. Yes. Um, look, my sense is that it, it, it doesn't have um, a particularly strong uh, relationship with, there with Hamas, nor a, a particularly kind of strong desire to, to, to get too involved in in this conflict, um, they've traditionally dealt with with the PA and the, the Palestinian president Mohammed Abbas was was in Beijing earlier this year. Um, there's no real sense that they have, have, have built out and put effort into cultivating a relationship with Hamas. Um, you know, in, in in Russia's case, for instance, there was a Hamas delegation in in Moscow just a few weeks ago, right after the incident. That hasn't happened in Beijing. Uh, Hamas has claimed that it's going to be sending a delegation to Beijing. The Chinese government hasn't responded to that or, or, or suggested that it would be taking that up. Um, so, 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 so my understanding and my sense is that the relationship with Hamas doesn't run deep. And I would, I would say more broadly to, to what was just said, my, my sense is that, that this is not a conflict that they particularly want to roll up their sleeves and, and get too involved in. I mean, it, it's messy. The Americans have, have a lot of um, baggage attached here, and I think the Chinese might be quite happy to keep it that way. You've, I've learned from you that China, of course, has strong economic ties with uh, most Middle East countries, including Israel, and is the largest trading partner for many of them. It, it, it's been expanding its economic ties quite significantly over the last decade or so, and uh, you know, mostly focused on the Gulf, the the, the Arab Gulf states, also with Iran. Um, Israel has has been a a big um, foci of attention, and and I think it's worth stating that you know the, the Israeli government and, and and wider population have been quite um, frustrated and even angry at times in the way that that China has responded uh, to this crisis in the sense that the Beijing may be using this as an opportunity to to make the West look bad and and, and play up its own standing with the global South. So that economic relationship, um, you know, there are questions that will hang over that. As this as this situation develops, Julian, what about? Uh, well, no, let me rephrase that. Why would Israel trust China to broker a deal? I don't think it has any willingness or desire to trust China to to broker a deal. Frankly, I don't think it's looking for anyone to broker a deal at this moment. It's it's looking to to push forward with its military campaign and and it will end it and it will strike a deal on its terms when it when it sees fit. Um, but but look, I mean, the, the Israeli government is going to be taking the U.S. role and U.S. pressure seriously here. Um, I don't think they're going to be taking Chinese comments and, and pressure seriously. And there is no real Chinese pressure. I mean, the Chinese, there is no Chinese deal on the table. Let's be honest here. There, there has been a Middle East envoy traveling a bit around the region. There have been some, some Chinese maneuvering in the Security Council of the UN. But China has put nothing serious on the table here. Um, in, in terms of trying to knock heads, exert pressure and, and try and create the space or the pathway for for some kind of deal. Ina, how would you describe China's response in comparison to that of the US? Well, the US is supplying the bullets and bombs that are killing uh, the people in, the, in, in Gaza. 
um, they can say whatever you want. I'm an American. I, I can, you know, I'm a little appalled that we keep saying, "Oh, you should, you should have a, you know, peace or a temporary letdown," and yet we continue to supply everything that they need to kill, kill everybody. You know, that's in addition to the 3.8 billion dollars in, in um, uh, arms and uh, things like that that we supply on a yearly basis. We have 14 billion uh, waiting in Congress to be approved. It probably will be approved at some point because of you know, bipartisan support. Uh, China is not supplying anything to anybody, uh, and, and they don't want to. And as I go back, they're really this idea, you know, Julian said, okay, they, well, what do they put up forward? Well, what can they? They, they don't have um, an army there. So they can't pressure militarily. They're not going to send boats there. And if they did, you know, the U.S. would say that you know China's trying to invade uh, the area or muscle in, despite the fact that we have most of our fleets there right now. Um, and you know, economically, what can they do? I mean, it's fine to say that uh, China has uh, economic relations with a lot of people in the Middle East. Well, they they have a uh, they're the number one economic trade partner for over 100 and what 25 almost 30 countries that's um, you know majority of the world um, it's not surprising that they have contacts in the east the middle east obviously about 80 percent of their inbound oil uh, that they imported oil is coming from the middle east uh, they're very very concerned about keeping peace in the middle east so what did they do um, they you know were trying to foster a deal uh, no not they weren't dictating. They were saying, you know, Saudi Arabia and Iran, you should get together. It's time to settle things. Uh, they did not oppose the Abraham Accords or anything like that. This is not a, a, a game of chess between China and the U.S. the way it used to be in the Cold War between Russia and the U.S. China is, you know, very hopeful that there's peace there because they have more to lose than the U.S. U.S. right now puts out 17 million barrels of oil a day, the whole Middle East puts out 11. I want, so to, I want to circle around to oil shortly and to the question of offshore gas. But, uh, Julian, earlier this year we did a, a story on the program about China brokering a deal between the, the Saudis and Israel to re-establish diplomatic relations. So uh, is this just pragmatism on China's part? Or is Saudi's oil a large part of the agenda? Uh, I think you mean Saudi Arabia and Iran, not Saudi Arabia and Israel, but but Iran, um, China did facilitate that, or at least the end game of that. Yes, yeah, sorry, forgive um, my slip of the tongue. Yeah, no, no, they they they, they facilitated that 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 agreement coming together finally in 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 Beijing. It was an agreement that was made over several years of back and forth dialogue in Oman and Iraq. It wasn't really something that the Chinese kind of engineered, but 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 suddenly they helped it over the finishing line. Um, and I think there's a couple of things. I mean, one is is, is certainly oil um, and a desire for, for economic stability in the Gulf and, and, and the sense that if there is tension between Iran and Saudi Arabia, that, that can flow over in, into the Gulf of Hormuz, that can disrupt oil supplies, um, and that can all hit China's economy, given the, the strong dependence on, on regional oil. But I think there's also a, a geopolitical dimension, which is that they wanted to, to contrast uh, their own, um, you know, increased role and ability to, to get deals done with that of the U.S., 
which is seen as, as being such a kind of polarizing actor in the region now, which is seen as being aligned with one side of a of a of a regional conflict compared to, to Beijing, which which shows that it can it can talk to everyone, it can navigate the divides, and it can help peace through through, through that approach. So there is a desire to the backdrop of everything that's going on globally, the sense of great power competition that, that, that China wants to strengthen its ties with the region, it wants to show the world, the global south, that it presents a different vision of getting things done, of, of, of making deals happen. Um, you know, these these are all part of, of the mix now of, of, of what we're, we're seeing in terms of its approach to Israel-Palestine and the difference that it's contrasting um, with the US position. And uh, this is a good point to go, a good place to go back to the uh, issue of uh, developing gas fields off the coast of Gaza. I had no idea about Israel's plans to do this. Yeah, there's about, um, in in 2000, there was a couple of uh, Brits uh, did some exploratory uh, wells and they figured there's about a $450 billion worth of oil down there. Even if you say half of it would go towards extracting it, it's still a tremendous amount of money. Um, and obviously, you know, Israel has their eye on it. And there's a sense, uh, at least being pushed um, by uh, Arab interests, and especially Palestinians, that in essence, uh, this is kind of like, you know, what happened to the American Indians. Every time there's something valuable on the land that you're on, you suddenly get moved out. Um, and you know, when you start looking at what's happening in Gaza, uh, they pushed everyone from the north to the south, or, you know, told them they should go. But then they started bombing the south. It looks like they, they want to push uh, the Palestinians uh, completely out of Gaza. Um, and then, you know, uh, and then basically they're, they're in possession of all that area. And guess what? Uh, that $450 billion worth of, of gas is theirs. Julian, what's the likelihood of Iran stepping in here? And uh, if so, what could China do about that? No, the, the big fear is that Iran, which has been supporting Hamas, uh, pushes some of its other regional proxies, namely Hezbollah, um, the, the militant group in, in Lebanon, to, to open up a, a broader conflict with Israel, to, to regionalize the conflict, uh, to, to help Hamas to, to, to widen the, the kind of the Iran's axis gain uh, intentions here. But, you know, that, that, that's a risk. Um, and, and certainly kind of Iran does have the influence to try and push things in that direction and, and we'd be entering a, a hugely dangerous cycle if this did become more of a regional conflict. The, the understanding that, that we have for the moment is that this is something that Iran and Hezbollah don't want for the moment. Um, yes, they're happy to, to see Hamas um, inflict uh, uh, the, the, the pain and damage on Israel. Yes, they're happy um, to, to offer rhetorical and some very limited material support to Hamas here, but they don't want to be drawn into a broader conflict. Um, this is something that the Americans have also been making a big effort to prevent. They've been messaging directly to the Iranians saying, we don't want a regional war. Don't go down that path. If you do, you'll have to face us, us as well as Israel. Um, so there are lots of dynamics here. The Chinese were in Tehran recently. The Americans pushed them to, to send that message to Tehran as well. Um, but really, it's the American-U.S. relationship which will be key to determining what happens. Yeah, and uh, China, of course, um, claims to be running its own uh, counter-terrorist operations against the Uyghurs and uh, where there are reports of arbitrary imprisonment and other human rights. Surely this compromises its position as a negotiator in the Middle East. Well, I, I don't think so, because if you start looking at the Arabs, uh, Arab states, 
they all support China. They've all been up there. None of them have issued a report that they think that anything's going on. Remember, you know, in, in, in the U.S., we spend $90 billion uh, on intelligence and disinformation. Um, the person who is the source of a lot of this is a gentleman named Adrian Zenz, which even by the most charitable um, judgment, I would be a failed academic <laughs> who suddenly showed up on, uh, on the payroll of of, of uh, the U.S. government uh, spewing forth that he was a thing. Now, this this guy is a extremely right-wing Christian who doesn't believe most Christians are going to heaven. Uh, he doesn't believe in women's rights. He thinks corporal punishment is a great idea. Um, it's just kind of odd to think that somebody who's this evangelical is so concerned about Muslims all of a sudden in a very short period of time. But, you I'm know, you, sorry. Can, you can trace back we almost also, everything. Does. We also uh, have a very short period of time, and I've got to wind this sure. up, and I thank you both. I like the, the cynicism of uh, Ina Tanga, Senior Fellow at the Tyre Institute. He's also the founder and chairman of China Cities Blue Book Consulting. And thanks to you, Julian uh, Barnes-Dacey, MENA Program Director at the European Council on Foreign Relations. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.